It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Now, we had this guy on there today named Brandon Lee Gouton. Now, who the hell is he? Can you, tell, can you tell me who this is? He writes for Bleeding Green Nation. Now, is Bleeding Green Nation something that people read? I thought Brandon Lee Gouton was an actor. I think he was a country singer. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. to number 166 and we are very excited as you should be excited philadelphia there's a lot of fucking first round picks in philadelphia today baby uh we are recording this the uh, day after the sixers have hit the number one pick finally uh we are overjoyed for that we'll, we'll throw in some sixers talk obviously but uh otas we'll talk about bradford's press conference what's going on with sproles cox the whole bit as uh, we welcome in uh, the crew for 166, the man in charge, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. Brandon, what's happening, man? Three years, John and James. Three, Three years. years, and we finally got it. Number one. I said that back in November, if if they land Simmons, this was all worth it. And I'm sure we'll debate that in the end because I know Brandon's a big Ingram fan. But we'll welcome in Mr. James Zeltzer. What's going on, pal? How are you? Ben motherfucking Simmons. That's how I'm doing, dude. I am like, uh, I'm beside myself. I got to see Brandon last night, hang out with him and, uh, and celebrate. And it was really like, honestly, one of the most like, cause with the Wentz thing, you know, when they picked him, you knew it was coming. Everything knew, everyone knew it was happening. Like this was like one of those moments of pure sports joy that we haven't felt in Philly in such a long time. And it was awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm still riding high from it. I can't believe I got stuck at work. I was uh, I was supposed to head down there for the night. I was looking forward to it. I've been to the lottery party every single year. Spike Eskin and the rest of the Liberty Ballers crew 
do such a fantastic job of bringing everything together. I saw the videos afterwards, and it just looked insane. I can't believe that you guys were able to experience that. Uh, I still have my T-shirt, thanks to Brandon and James for picking it up, uh, but we will talk uh, Sixers a little later on because, hey, it's the off season. Nothing too exciting is happening, but exciting enough, Mr. BLG, as I want to give Brandon credit here because oh. – my, my man was the only one who asked the, the question that everybody wanted to know and then the follow-up question that everybody wanted to know. And today, everybody is writing about it, BLG. So what was it uh, that at Bradford's press conference that you kind of asked him that got everything flowing here and basically created a 1,000 articles today? <laughs> Thank you, John. You make it sound like I did this big thing. Um, no, basically, You just asked the right questions. Right. That's all I'm saying. That's all we want. That's all we want. Someone it, once so. said mm-hmm. that hmm, bloggers can't do that. I don't know who said that. It was, I think it was someone on the radio. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to look into it. that. But um, no, basically, I just asked him, do you regret it? Because that's really what I was honestly wondering. I wasn't trying to get, you know, it wasn't the kind of a, a gotcha kind of thing. It was just really like I was honestly wondering, you know, you know, do you regret how this uh, play? Do you regret, do you regret requesting the trade? And then I asked him, you know, was it you or was it Tom Condon who made the decision? And Sam basically said, you know, he got the advice from from his agent to do it and and whether that's true or not uh that's pretty much what he was going to say anyway because it's it's easier for Tom Condon to take the fall for for how this played out in a in a way that they didn't hope it played out because you know he's not in the locker room uh, he doesn't have to answer to anyone he's not going to burn any bridges by by saying anything like the Eagles and other teams are still going to want to work with Tom Condon and his clients so uh but that's what Sam said and really how he handled his press conference as a whole I thought he did a good job uh, I thought he was honest. You know, he he talked about how, you know, he's not naive and he knows that, you know, Wentz will probably eventually be the guy. But he said he's going to go out there in the meantime and he's going to do his best and he's going to try to hold on to the job as long as he can. Yeah, and I think it just more or less just kind of brought closure to the whole thing. Like, I know we've – the entire Eagles fan base has been fighting about this since April 20th, it feels like, you know, whenever the trade went down. Um, but, yeah, overall, I, yeah, obviously, you know – you can throw Tom under the bus. It was both their idea. I still agree that that is an okay move to do, to try and see if you can get yourself out of a situation which has no end to it. Um, James, did you have that overall impression too? It was felt like, a pretty, for the most part, a pretty honest conversation. Uh, we can kind of move past this now and just look forward to an awesome, hopefully awesome QB competition here. Yeah, no, I, I that's exactly the way I took it. I thought he was very honest. He owned up to the situation, owned up to, you know, his role in, in the fault of, of, you know, how it didn't work out. And, and I, I did like the, you know, the not naive comment. I thought it would have been, you know, straight BS for him to pretend like he had a chance to be the long-term guy here. So, um, and of course, I mean, the Conan thing, that shouldn't surprise anyone. Obviously, you know, it makes... You know, no one's going to go at Tom Conan. It doesn't hurt his rep in the locker room if it's Tom Conan's idea or with other players or with the coach, whatever. You know, it's it's obviously he's going to say it's Conan's idea. I agree with you, John, that uh, I think he, you know, they were both complicit, as it were. Um, and I don't think it was a bad play. It just didn't work. And, and again, you know, who really cares about how he's viewed here in the sense that, that he's not the long-term guy here in his mind? Um, so yeah, I had a lot of takeaway, same takeaways. I think, uh, I think Brandon's, you know, do you regret it question was perfect because it really kind of humanized the whole thing too. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's just, it, I think it was a kind of, 
it, we we always you know go crazy about all this stuff and and I think that ultimately long term I think the people who said that this isn't that big a deal in the moment might end up being right just because you know what does Bradford really matter in the long term to this franchise he's even admitting it um, but and that probably wasn't the best answer because I really only came prepared to argue Ben Simmons over Brandon Ingram. So, <laughs> you know, I'll do, I'm yeah, doing we- my best here. We're actually like really just holding back. If we had our opportunity here, I think we'd just talk about Sixers for 55 minutes. But Everybody I, I, yeah. clap your hands. But see, here's, here's my question to actually just both of you real quick is why is it that it took this to be to re, to for Sam Bradford to honestly say, I'm not naive about this thing. I know what trading up to two means. Why did we argue it about, about it for a month then? If he knew it and we know it and we go, okay, that means – Sam Bradford's not going to be here next year. Why is it now like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, yeah, d- totally, he's not going to be here next year. <laughs> like, you know, duh. You know, that's I, I feel like I've been just running into a brick wall for a month. Like, like that's exactly why this all happened in the first place. And James, I agree with you. Uh, and, uh, well, both of you, really. I mean, it's just this ends up being just a little blimp uh, moving forward. I mean, this was just something that, the offseason needed. It needed a little bit of drama because it's what the Eagles do. It's what we like to talk about, and that pretty much moves on from it. That's what I'm saying, Brandon. Why did it take so many people so long to be like, oh, yeah, well, at least he's not naive about the situation? Of course he's not. That's why That's why he tried to get out of here, right? Well, for me, it was always personally, and um, this is where we might disagree, is this I just don't think – I think he had every right to explore – seeing if he could get his way out i don't disagree with that i think just the fact that they didn't do their homework and they clearly didn't because i don't think there was ever strong interest you can say the broncos but that's only one team they could change their mind i don't think it's a good idea to, to bank on just one team trading for you like that uh and i i think this could have all been easily avoided that's where i see the mistake being made i think they they, they totally i think this was always the most likely thing to happen I don't think there was really a good chance of him ever being moved at all. So I think he should have read that better, and Tom Condon should have read that better, and they shouldn't have gone as far as they did to skip practice and everything. That's just that's, yeah, that's how I, I, I see it. I, I think there's – it's just it, – with such limited time, you know, like right before the draft, like there's not a lot – it's not a lot you can do, you know. If they didn't if they didn't sign a deal with the Eagles previously, I think it would have been a lot easier to find a job, although Mark Sanchez, no hand – <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe, maybe give a little ring and ding again, and just just see if that they're really not willing to. You know, I I still don't understand the well, high price I, and all I, that I, stuff. I mean, Bre- Sanchez is going to be back by training camp. It's not that big an injury. It's well, somebody's got to drive to the hospital and make sure. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you John, know, I, I, I appreciate the effort and the drive to get Sam out of town. It's, yes, it's, that's all I want. Like, if you're in, committed. In, in, which, which leads me back to this, Brandon, and I'm just going back to you because you were there yesterday. How did Carson Wentz look in OTAs? Uh, best draft pick I've ever seen in the history <laughs> of the universe. No, um, Super Bowl champion. It's funny because uh, I saw some people hyping up Wentz on Twitter and things like that, other reporters who were there. I think Mikey Miss uh, even said something <laughs> yeah, about him. I, I, you know what's funny? I turned on Mike's show right after the – the press conference yesterday, and I just thought it was funny that, or no, it's the top of his show before it even started, and we were laughing about this a little bit too. Where he's just like, I was so surprised how organized the Eagles practices were. I was like, Come on, man, I love you, but geez, oh man, that was uh, anyway. Yeah, continue. Uh, I thought he looked like a rookie, and not that—that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
Uh, it was about what I, I would expect, I think. I think he, he had some good moments. Uh, I liked when he, he had a really nice pump fake. I think Jimmy was talking to me about that. I mean, again, <laughs> this is spring, and we're talking about pump fakes on, on podcasts. But overall, I think uh, – I also like how he handled quote-unquote pressure. Again, there's no real pressure. But I just think he looked composed overall. Uh, he, he didn't look totally out of place. I said he looked like a rookie, but he didn't look like, you know, like he didn't belong or anything. I think uh, some of his passes were overthrown. Uh, and especially, like, looking at him, because him and Bradford were on the same field for a little bit, throwing at the same time. And you could tell Sam throws a prettier ball at this point, and he should, because he's been in the NFL for a longer time. I mean, he's clearly the veteran, and Carson is the rookie. But overall, I mean, I think it was a fine first day for Carson Wentz. I think Sam... Uh, in, in true Sam Bradford style, <laughs> he got off to a rough start, and I think he finished practice better. He had a he had a pick. Uh, Rodney McLeod made a great play and jumped a route. Uh, Leotis McKelvin, a name that you might have forgotten about because the Eagles signed him right before free agency even started. But man, that guy looks good. He uh, he was breaking really? up passes. Yeah, he broke up two passes. He forced a fumble. He was that guy is all over the field. Sam, that's that's one of the things I was kind of like, I understood the signing and you need depth there. And of course, like the relationship with Schwartz is there, but I, I was never really overall impressed with McKelvin uh, while he was in Buffalo. So that's that's good news. You know, like if that if that starts to gel, maybe you're maybe that CB depth problem isn't isn't that bad of idea, uh, uh, you know, bad of an issue. Uh, if Ja'Cory Shepard finally gets cleared to see some team drills and things like that, maybe that's something you can add on to there. James Moore, since we weren't down there, obviously, I was just kind of judging the reaction of just like Brandon was saying from other people that were down there from a lot of different Eagles fans. Um, I, I get the sense that it is more or less. Well, I shouldn't say that, but I, I can tell that there are a lot of people that just want Wentz to be the guy. And I think you you think that there, it eventually we're going to get you might get trapped into the overreaction of like, oh, my God, just like Brandon was saying, like, I remember the first few days of just the open practice with Bradford not being there. And people are like, look at this throw under pressure. And it's just literally a drill where one of the, one of the coaches is shoots a beeline at him and there's nobody else around him and he makes a throw. I understand people's excitement on this thing, but um, you know, Brandon is saying like, Hey, he does look like a rookie. There will be, be that time there, um, which is, which more or less, do you think at any point he can win the starting job? Uh, in this competition, like if he really does play really well, I know Sal Pell and a bunch of other people have thrown some thrown some things at the wall. And obviously, I think if Wentz is like far and above Daniel, which it looks like he, it sounds like he already is, and he should be. But if it comes down to him and Bradford, would you really want him starting Week One if he blows the doors off here? I don't think he's going to. I really don't. I don't. Well, neither I, do I. But yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I'm I'm fine. I, I said before that. I'm fine with him sitting. I would like to see him this season, uh, but I am fine if he, he doesn't start out. I think it it can be beneficial to watch from the sidelines, at least for a little while, and, you know, watch how the game kind of, the speed from the sideline and knowing the game plan and seeing how, you know, NFL teams react and, and whatnot um, firsthand. But uh, ultimately, I, I think that, you know, I, I, again, I, I think this is kind of a moot point. I, I think that, that, 
Bradford is, uh, you know, barring injury, going to be the starter. And and I honestly think that if if he does get hurt, I think they're going to roll Chase Daniel out there. I, I you know, we've yeah. heard we I mean we've heard it a few times already. And obviously, coaches have been known to lie for sure. But um, you know, I think they've made it very clear, and I think they made it very clear with how much money they gave him to basically be a coach, more or less. Um, I, I think. I think Chase Daniels firmly is, I said Chase Daniel is, not Chase Daniels, just to, to clarify. <laughs> but I will I think, always say Chase Daniels, so you yes. can make fun of me for that. Yeah, Good, I'll just hate you for it, as I, I hate everyone yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, uh, I, you know, I, I, clearly they gave him a lot. Of, I, I think it's very clear that, that Daniel is second in line, and, and I think that their plan is really to sit Wentz no matter what, at least for a little while. Um, so yeah, I don't think, uh, and getting back to the overreaction thing, you know, lest we not forget the greatest offensive performance in the history of football week three of the preseason in green Bay. That's uh, right. Uh, obligatory, 10 10, baby. obligatory <laughs> mention. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. And I think, look, I think there'll definitely be a, uh, um, a groundswell to see Wentz out there, especially if Bradford struggles or, or if the team struggles or, or whatever, or if Bradford gets hurt and it's Daniel out there. Absolutely. Um, but I, I, it does, at least from everything we're seeing and hearing, and Brandon's point that he is a rookie, and a, a rookie coming from from FCS, you know, like a, a, a lower level of competition, a, a different speed of the game. Yes, he's got the measurables. Yes, he can learn. But I think this team is clearly very, very committed right now, uh, regardless of, of how they look in, in, you know, shorts and how they look potentially in the preseason even. Uh, most likely, I, I think they're very committed to, to sitting this kid for at least the first few games. And joining us uh, once again this week, uh, he's probably the prettiest man in sports with the most hip-hop knowledge, and that's why we have him on the BGN Radio Podcast every single week. Mr. Jeff Mosier, what's happening, buddy? Definitely more for the prettiest part, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, my hip-hop knowledge is good, but the prettiness is definitely extraordinary, I would think. Right? That's what makes you and Shander such a uh, you know wonderful combo, right? Like, it just kind of comes together, and you take care of the prettiness, yeah. and it balances out. And, and he does the hip-hop, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's you know, once again, we um, – I think for a good uh, – actual good reason this time, we're going to talk about Sam Bradford one more time. Uh, just because it was the first time that he actually spoke, I think everybody was waiting to hear it, and I just thought it was more or less kind of funny that all the things we've been saying up to this point for the last couple of weeks, he basically addressed and said the same things that we were thinking. But what was your take on his press conference here? Yeah, not a lot of curveballs thrown at his press conference. Uh, it was kind of straightforward. Um, you know, the, the beauty of having a, an agent who you pay a lot of money is you get to throw him under the bus. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Whenever you want, he still he still is your agent because uh, you know that's the way it works in this world. So uh, everything was Tom Condon's idea, and Tom was just along for the ride. Uh, is is kind of the way he made it seem. No, I mean he said, "Hey, look, Tom, there was Tom's idea to do all these things, and I supported it." So you know, my take on that is, if you support it and your agent works for you, then those are the rewards you're doing. So he seems content to. Sleep in the bed that he made. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. I think that there's just you know, I, I and I understand the situation. Do you feel is you think this kind of? Did you feel any sympathy for it now? I feel like some people kind of felt like, oh man, I really feel how disappointed Sam was when all this went down. Do you do you feel a little bit sorry? No, you know, I think you know. Again, I I wasn't in that camp of people criticizing Bradford saying, how dare he, you know, I mean, he, he certainly had a right to look for a better situation 
for the one he signed up for because he thought it was going to be different. It was different for the Eagles. They were able to trade up and get to number two. I just, where I always felt he was off base was the idea that there was another team out there willing to give him more, more money, more commitment, more anything. I didn't, I never thought that he would find that spot. So I wasn't sure what his end game was when he decided to hold out. Yeah, and that makes complete sense. And, and speaking of holding out, it's kind of interesting that, you know, uh, everybody expected there was no real issue with uh, with Darren Sproles. You've heard some trade rumors pop up here and there around the draft, but uh, no communication at all with the team right now. What do you think is he's waiting for, and is there a market for Darren Sproles right now? Uh, I guess there's a market based on the report, right? I mean, the, the reporting on this and what's been said is very vague and, and mysterious to me because – the original report from NFL Network said that there were Eagles fielded some offers for Darren Sproles. And because of that, he's now kind of waiting idly by until this situation sorts itself out. But I don't know. See, that's where it gets vague to me. What is he waiting for? Because the Eagles said that they don't want to trade him and that they want him on a team. So that makes me think that he wants to be traded. But the report from the NFL Network also said this is not a – a frustration filled thing for him. He just wants the situation settled out. Well, what's the situation? <laughs> you know, the Eagles want you, they don't want to trade you. <laughs> so I, I don't, just because you got called, people called about Darren doesn't mean that the Eagles were, you know, anxious to pull the trigger there. So, um, I, you know, and then Doug Peterson's explanation was more of a, uh, kind of home with the family. He's of a certain age. He doesn't need to be here. He'll be here when it counts type thing. So, um, I'm not really quite sure what's going on inside Darren's mind. I wouldn't surprise me, John, if he did want to be traded because he's getting up there. He probably only has a few years left, and he probably doesn't believe that the Eagles are going to be contending for a Super Bowl anytime in the next year or two. But like, it, just like with Sam, the Eagles have his rights, and unless somebody knocks their socks off, um, I don't see them wanting to trade him. Not only that, I mean they have such little depth at that position, you know that they they kind of need. Darren. Yeah, no, they absolutely do because there's no way that there's no way that anybody's going to come in here unless uh, you know Wendell Smallwood's going <laughs> to kind of light it up here. And speaking of that, I mean, it sounds like he had a pretty decent uh, OTA. Uh, is there any impressions that you got from from the OTAs? Whether it was uh, Wentz looking up and down and like a rookie, or Bradford starting slow and getting late? Any impressions overall on the first workout for the Eagles? No, I try not to put a whole lot into OTAs. I think even training camp is the type of uh, environment where you know you, your your eyes tell you something that you see, and you think it's all good, great, grand, just like Bradford last year. And you know, once the regular season starts and teams actually are game planning for you, you see that there's a lot that you you weren't looking for. Uh, the thing with Smallwood that it doesn't surprise me, he's catching the ball real well. I mean, he can't comes from a kind of an air raid attack in, in West Virginia. The big thing to me is, will he be able to pick up a blitz in pass protection? And some of the things I was hearing was, you know, that that's a work in progress. Obviously, he has a great teacher in that, and Deuce. But if you go look at the history of, you know, back when, you know, this team was Andy Reid and West Coast offense of, of drafting running backs late, whether it was Ryan Motes or Tony Hunt or, um, <laughs> Charles, you know, Nate Ilawa. Yeah, Tony, like Tony all, Hunt. Yeah, all was face, good yeah, yeah. How about threw that out there? They all face the same issues and that's you know they may be able to run with the ball real nicely and most certainly did run well when he had the opportunity later in his career to do that but um blitz pickup is the number one thing that these guys have to learn and uh if they're not good at it they're not going to get on the field it took ryan a long time uh and they'll take other guys a long times and i and i expect that smallwood coming from a very you know pass happy offense where he's releasing more than staying in and blocking 
I, I'm like, I suspect that that's going to be something that's going to be a big learning curve for him. Yeah, uh, Ryan Moats, man, that's a, that's also funny. Like I remember him <laughs> ended up, then he ended up Blast sticking the past, right? Sticking with the Texans and then like having two unbelievable games down there. And he, I, I just remember him coming like the the biggest like fantasy waiver wire that year, and then he kind of disappeared. So, yeah, we'll have to wait yeah, and see. And that was the thing, you know, he could run the ball. It's just uh, you know, in certain offenses, you can run, you're good. If you, but if you need to catch and block, those are whole other issues. Yeah, um, and it's just exciting as far as like I think. Uh, last question just from us is, you know, the 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 quarterback competition, I think, is the other thing that we're kind of excited to see here. Do you really buy into if Wentz plays really well and outperforms the other two guys, do, is there any reason to sit him at that point? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to have Sam Bradford on the roster and uh, – well, let me start by saying you should never not play the best player, right? I mean, right. If, if Wentz is clearly the best player um, – it would be silly not to start him, but I think that that's kind of like water cooler talk. And you listen to Doug Peterson and he's convinced that no matter what you see uh, in preseason and training camp, that they're going to believe that Wentz is better to start the season than Sam Bradford. You know, I'm Wentz could, you know, have a, a 100, a perfect passer rating in the preseason. And I don't think I'm convinced that he's better to start Bradford and it sure seems like Doug says if there's something wrong with Bradford then Chase Daniel is going to be the guy I mean he's made it pretty clear that this is a learning season for Carson Wentz at least to start and he's the number three so I don't really call I don't think it's a competition you know I'm crazier things have happened but I this is going to be one of the things where I'm actually going to believe Doug Peterson here I think that their goal is to get Sam playing at a decent level high level to try and win as many games as they can and then increase his trade value as much as they can and the only way they can do that is he's playing, not sitting. Uh, well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And that's, um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that uh, Doug Peterson will have Andy's patience. Uh, I'm just not sure the fans will, as per usual. So, Jeff Moser from 97.5, the fanatic, and also Eagle Scouting. Yes, we appreciate it, but we'll talk to you real soon. All right, thanks very much. And our thanks again to uh, Jeff Moser for stopping by. And you know, we outlined a, a, a bunch of things there, BLG, and you know, we kind of went over the parameters of the of the Sproles thing, and that's something that. We just still can't really figure out. Do you think more or less that the Eagles' position, or really just Darren Sproles' position, is like, look, I'm older. Uh, this isn't a championship team, and hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see. Maybe I can end up somewhere in somebody else's camp uh, because they've had those trade talks leading up to the draft. Ultimately, I think Sproles is gonna be here. I think Jeff agrees with that too. But uh, what's your take overall on that situation? Well, I'll start by saying Doug Peterson did say that uh, the Eagles have no plans to trade Sproles. He said he also said that Sproles doesn't want to be traded, so you can take that for what it's worth. I don't think you're really going to get much for Sproles if you even did trade for him. He's turning 33 in June. He's on the last year of his contract. Um, he's really coming off a, a bad offensive season. I mean, all of the Eagles' offense was bad last year, so maybe that's part of it, of course, but... I think he had like career lows in terms of like yards per attempt, uh, rushing and also receiving. So, I mean, I really don't know who's going to want this guy, especially what you're going to be, you're getting for him in return. Like what, like seventh round pick at that point, I think you just keep him. Uh, and really your running back core is so thin as it is. Like it's, it's already really sketchy. I mean, like Ryan Matthews is your number one and you, you pretty much can't count on him to ever make it through a full season. And even if he does, still fumbles a lot, so that's an issue, and he's not really like a full-time guy you can count on. Wendell Smallwood, I don't think, is ready for like a full-time role as a rookie, especially right away. 
And then, you know, who else is there? I mean, maybe Kenyon Barner can be good. I don't know. Uh, people are excited about Byron Marshall, but he's not even here for OTAs because he's he's not going to be around till training camp. Because thanks uh, NCAA, yeah, appreciate graduation. It. So I mean that's valuable. <laughs> that's missed time, and that's that's big. Yep. So this running back core is shaky as it is. I really don't think you need to get rid of Sproles. And really, he's so valued in the locker room. You know, I, I mean, we we might talk about that things like that being overvalued and and things like that. But people really respect Darren Sproles, so I think that would kind of take a hit too. And and for for his, not good as he has been on offense, or at least he wasn't good on offense last year. He's still the best punt returner in the NFL, or at least he has been. So I think you just keep him. That's that's what I would do. Yeah, I, you know how big James do you think is is his role going to be this season? I mean, is there going to be? Are you gonna? Is he gonna creep in over that forty percent of the carries? type of area here i mean if it, obviously that all really all depends on smallwood and then i want to go back to brandon and get his perspective on how he looked in his his first uh, few days in otas here but yeah i mean they they, they need this guy you know i mean they the, the, between ryan matthews between kenny on barner again there's no bell cow that's going to be there as i look at it now unless barner or smallwood kind of really come out and and hit here sproles is going to be the, the guy like the number two no matter who's you know leading this thing off here yeah, I agree, but I, I don't know if 40%. I think maybe 40% of the touches, but even then, I, I I certainly think he's going to be here. I think this is going to get worked out. I don't think there is a ton of value to trading him, as you said. I don't think – I don't know what you're going to get back for him. You know, what 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 the, what the Eagles gave up a fifth to get him, which obviously was a great trade. I, I don't think you get too much more than that back now, you know, a couple years down the road. Um, so I, I, I lean that way as well. Uh, I ultimately don't think it'll be a huge issue. I think he'll come in. I think he'll be part of the offense. Um, and again, I think, like you said, it's really going to depend on Smallwood, how much progression they see out of him, whether they believe he can. Because, look, if, if Smallwood, similar to Wentz, at running back a position, you want to get him on the field you know, right away and take advantage of, of those legs for you know that entirety of the rookie deal or whatever you know length you have them, um, I, I guess, you know, fifth-round pick. I'm not sure what the parameters are, but... Um, either way, you want to use them up, essentially, you know, it, conventional wisdom these days. So uh, my guess is if Smallwood distinguishes himself, I think he eats into Sproles's role more than Matthews. And obviously injuries are something that could derail any of the plans. But, yeah, I think I think Sproles will be here and be part of the offense, but I don't know if he'll be that big a part of the offense. Yeah, and BLG, what do you think? I mean, and I know it's such a – we're in OTAs, it's a tough projection, but – can Smallwood eat into that just on first impressions in your mind? Yeah, as far as Smallwood goes, I think, you know, it's it's always hard to get a sense of how running backs look, especially in these non-contact drills and everything. But I really liked how he looked as a pass catcher. I thought he made – I don't think I, I remember him dropping a lot. And there were a lot of, a lot of drops yesterday because it was raining and the field was wet. People were slipping. Uh, Ruben Randall somehow caught a pass, even though he like he like slipped and he fell on the ground. He's laying on the ground. He still caught a pass. I don't know how he did that, but um, it, it was a little sloppy yesterday in terms of you know because it was their first practice and the weather was bad. But Smallwood overall, I thought he looked fine. Uh, that's pretty much my general impression of Wendell Smallwood. Anyway, he's he's fine. He's not. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's terrible. He's just he's just fine. He's a, he's a fine running you. back. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's kind of tough to you know have have any kind of uh well not assurances just that he's going to be able to kind of come out there and take this major leap and you know even jeff was saying like it's he's comes from a very pass happy 
offense, and maybe that's why they liked him so much. You know, I, I that's why I don't understand this mantra of like, oh well, in a in a run first offense is like when if when have you ever seen an Andy Reid type of West Coast offense that was run first? I mean, come on, guys, this is that's why you kind of get these players, and uh, so maybe maybe he is kind of it fits that mold, and maybe there's you know. Uh, maybe there's like 500 uh, third down backs on the roster at the end of the year. We'll have to wait and see here. But uh, yeah, I'm, it, it, it's the uh, the other thing we haven't touched on yet is just with uh, with Fletcher Cox here, James. And I, you know, not that I don't think anybody's trying to be worried about it. That this thing kind of keeps popping up where hey, if there's no contact in between him and the team, that means they're going to trade him, and then everybody goes off on a tangent here. But really, I just think that there's still probably a, a possibility of of him getting more guaranteed money, and maybe there's a possibility that they end up signing a contract before you hit training camp. At least that's my read on it. Do you feel like there's you know, any other reason why he wouldn't be talking to the team at this point? I don't know. I just think too much is being made of it. I think once he starts missing you know, mandatory camps and gets, starts getting fined for stuff, then, you know, then it's a real story. I think right now, whether there's a deal or not, I think he's going to report when the time comes. I think he's making a statement. I think there will be a deal that will get done eventually. But I don't know. I mean, look, it would make sense if you're if you're going to do a long-term deal no matter what. It would make sense to potentially do it before training camp starts and not have the headache, not have the questions being asked, all that stuff. Um, but... You know, I don't I, I don't think the fact that he's not talking to them right now or anything like that is is a signif you know, a signification of one thing one way or the other. Uh, but you know, I agree with you ultimately. I think it's gonna get figured out and sorted out. You know, a guy like Fletcher Cox is, is not someone the Eagles are gonna let go of. Yeah, you just don't you don't uh you don't trade Hall of Famers. Again, if I can't say that enough, we can't can't do that. You know, and, and BLJ I just wanna flip back to that. Throw in your cock stick if you have anything on there because I don't, I, you know, I just don't really see it as a huge problem. Um, we've we've mentioned, you know, Rodney McLeod. Uh, you know, Ben's been uh, really really high on him as well. I think it's it's kind of interesting because this is a guy that if if he is good as advertised, and I'll be honest, like I just haven't watched him. I've just watched you know some of some of the highlight tapes and some of the things he does really well. Your notes from yesterday that he's just flying all over the place. He's uh, one of the most like joystick safeties that I've seen in a while. Something that's getting the fan base excited here. Why did the Rams let this guy go? Next Dawkins. That's why. <laughs> no, um, that's why they would keep him. But no, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know what's going on. I guess St. Louis. Maybe that's just they don't value this secondary as much because they let what's his name go. They let um uh, the cornerback uh, Jenkins. Yeah, and they let uh. Who isn't that great interview? Anyway, you know that's what right. I'm saying. Like I, I look at I look at McLeod and I say, wow, that's like, that's something that could be a part of your defense for still the next three or four years here. And they moved on from him. I, I'm just I, I basically I'm I'm impressed that uh, of how well that it looks like he's doing thus far. And going back and looking at tape and how he would fit in this defense looks fantastic. Much like McKelvin, who I'm just like, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, McLeod seems just to be like a a no doubter here. Yeah, I mean, first impression was great yesterday. He's flying around the field, like you said. Uh, the interception was great. I think Sam was looking to go downfield for once. Ha. And uh, nothing was there. And so he, so he went to check down. Ha. And uh, he, he got picked up <laughs> because... The BLG comedy routine we're, he, we're doing here. <laughs> you know, the, the, I saw some comments. Actually, there was a, a tip to the commenters because... 
I think that, well, one, I don't think they knew that they you had asked like two really good questions. And somebody just, I think somebody had listed of like what you would ask Sam in yeah, the press conference that. room. And it was just like, uh, <laughs> just all of those jokes. How much, are you going to check this one down just like you checked down a resident career and all this other <laughs> stuff? I'll have to post that somewhere. But that was a yeah. fantastic job by the BGN community. Yeah, as always. They're always good. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so that, that's what I'm saying, James. I think that was, that was one thing that uh, you had mentioned uh, last episode and just how good and how exciting that could actually be um I, yeah what i mean no we obviously again we weren't there but is good signs all around for that happening right yeah oh clearly i mean we talked about yeah i said the garden of safety and and everything we've seen and heard about both of these guys and and even looking at their highlights or looking at whatever i mean you know they're 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 philly eagle type guys i mean they're you know as as cliche as that sounds, cliches are cliches for a reason, and and these guys just fit. They fit the team, they fit the attitude, they fit what this city's looking for, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch these guys play, which uh, I'm sure we'll get to in, in a few minutes as well, because one of, that's one of the prevailing thoughts I had last night with the number one pick was, oh my God, I get to watch a certain player play in root form. So there we go. That's what we call, uh, that's what we call, you know, tying a bow on it or, or whatever you want to say there. Yeah. And really it's just like, I, I know we're all excited to kind of finally see, finally see some action. We want to see all that. I'm just, again, I'm disappointed with the NCAA and their awful, terrible rules because you don't get to see guys like Isaac Samalo come out there and, and, you know, and flash and flash some of that athletic uh, athleticism that we're, you know, kind of hoping to see from him in a, in a very important uh, role. You know, like they need they need offensive linemen. Uh, the one thing we didn't touch on, which I'm sure everybody in the world is happy about, actually, it's just probably me trying to carry the flag for this guy. But you know, Matt Tobin gets his deal extended. So sorry to everyone that's out there. That's John, uh, can you're gonna you just, have to, gonna can have to you deal just with that. edit that part out of the podcast, please. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Tobin for life, everybody. Uh, the Iro bios is strong, but yeah, I mean, it's just. Um, the, the more and more this kind of happens, you really just getting it. Preseason is where where we all want to get to. Training camp obviously will will kind of light up the tentacles, and uh, just like Brandon and the rest of the beat reporters there, go back and forth between great catches and interceptions and hits and everything else like that. So uh, let's just get into it, fellas, because uh, I, I think uh, for this portion of the podcast it's important that we should talk about the Sixers. We're really just kind of how it all enveloped into this thing. Not in the history of sport has the Phillies and the Sixers or anybody, no, no like two franchises have the first round pick in baseball and, and the NBA. And plus you have Carson Wentz here as the second all over pick. Like this is kind of an exciting time to, as much as the, the suffering of Philadelphia that it has been basically since 2000 and, nine and ten and on of, of this druck that we've been in of trying to restructure these teams you know i know that last night it felt a little awkward because hinky wasn't a part of it uh but that was that that's the end result this is the thing that we've been kind of waiting for all year you would think that last year you would hope to have the number one pick if you had towns here and then you had the uh, the uh, the potential to get simmons or who who knows how that works out? Maybe they, they don't end up tanking as much this year and they kind of go after it. Regardless of all that, last night was so... I, I've never felt so happy. And I know that's kind of a sick thought. Like, I've never felt so happy <laughs> in my life to be 
to, to, to root for a 10-game winner, you know, to finally have that. Uh, we you, The Sixers get to choose who they want. And now I think that's that's going to be the debate, obviously, for the next month is just who do, who do they kind of take here. So, BLG, I know you're an Ingram guy, so I want you to tell me why Ingram over Simmons. Honestly, at this point, I'm not even an anyone guy for, like, for the moment. Just for the moment, just like last night. Just being there and the reaction and and just like going up to each of the Liberty Ballers members after the Sixers won and just being like, we did it, guys. Like three years, we finally yeah. all of this came to this. It just like, like I didn't even Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram weren't even on my mind because it was just like I just need to enjoy this. Like I need to just take the time and be like, because we're gonna have so much time to debate. Ben Simmons, and, and I'm going to get into why I like Simmons more, but just I, I feel like you know there's, there's just so much time for that. I'm I'm kind of not trying to like rush into it right away in my mind. So so with that said, I I haven't finalized anything. I wouldn't say I'm definitely uh, Ingram over Simmons at this point, but Ben Simmons <laughs> <laughs> one three pointer for his entire college season. Now I know you're going to come back at me, both of you, and say things about that, but it, it, Michael Levin said this. I think. And the big board they posted, the last Liberty Bars big board they posted. Uh, it shouldn't come down to as simple as that Brandon Ingram is a shooter, but for him, it does. And that's kind of the same thing for me. I just, I kind of just want a shooter. I also want the best player available. So if Ingram isn't that guy, then obviously you don't get that guy. But still, I, I feel like Ingram, because of the shooting, because of his, the length and the potential there, I just think he could be the more valuable player. I think with. And it's a look. I'm not. I'm actually not going to come back to you. That's a concern. Like not being able to hit, not having that range, is is not great. Even when I was, you know, going back and forth with that today, I didn't even realize that off of the jumper, even for two pointers. So like, you know, eleven footers, twelve footers, thirteen footers that are around there, still only shooting about thirty three percent. You know, so that's like kind of like, ah, eh, that's not great. It's just that everything else that he does is so impressive. The way he, he can pass the way he dominates in the paint, the way he can move around, the way that he can shoot with either hand. Like the, uh, it, uh, I, I just feel like the the ceiling for that. I think it would be, I think it would be a mistake just to go. The Sixers need a shooter. Let them get a shooter because you could look at a guy like Jason Tatum, who is taking over for Ingram's spot next year, who is the number two all you know recruit in the nation that ends up going to Duke and is essentially going to fit right into Ingram's role, who has the same type of ability. I think that with everything that the Sixers still have going into next year, the Lakers pick, uh, you still have the ability for the King swap, which is which could end up being huge next year because I don't really see them, you know, kind of competing for much, and they're in, they're still in turmoil. When when you're presented with this, when you have Ben Simmons, who has the the, the potential to be not just good, special. That's where I'm at. I look at Ingram, and I, 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 and it, again, it might be a little short-sighted. I look at Ingram as he will be a great shooter. He will help the Lakers. He will help the Sixers. He will help Boston. Be be that guy and spread the floor. But you're, you can't pass like Simmons. I don't think he'll, he'll ever have the ability to spread the floor like Simmons that you can put him at three. You can put him at the point guard position if you really wanted. So you can put him anywhere, and he can defend guys. Uh, yeah, granted, I'm not trying to like, you know, <laughs> capable for his defensive skills. He, he, he blocks really well. I think he falls in. There's some, there's some things that are kind of up and down, but Simmons ceiling is so 
unbelievably good that you go after him now and you wait for the shooter. I don't think you you kind of like build yourself and nestle yourself into this thing where if you have Embiid and Simmons as kind of a one-two punch, that to me is is worth the risk. And, and I risk in quotes because I think there's going to be a guy like Ingram that's comparable to Ingram that you can get later on, even next year, the year after that, wherever. There's still no, unfortunately, and people might hate this take, there's still no clock on this thing. I know for the, for the Sixers, there probably is. For Colangelo, there is. They still want to make a splash, et cetera, et cetera. Unless somehow you get Jimmy Butler into a Sixers uniform, there's really no need to just settle. And I'm not going to say settle, to just go Ingram over Simmons just because of the shooter. But, James, I'm interested in what you think about that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm Team Ben Simmons, as I said earlier. John, I'm with you. Uh, a lot of the reasons he mentioned, the vision, uh, you know, especially at that height, he can run the offense. He could be the point guard for this team and probably will be if they draft him. Uh, he can run the, uh, a fast break offense. He goes coast to coast like that, and he's got ball handling ability. He's got uh, ability around the rim to finish. I mean, he's a, he's a great finisher at the rim, even though he's not the best shooter. Um, and, and the shot can be worked on. It's not broken. Uh, you look at Ingram, he's basically the same. What is he, 6'10", and Ingram's 6'9". He's like 50 pounds heavier than Ingram. Ingram is still a long way physically from where he needs to be, where Simmons is not. Uh, and then, you know, add in the fact that you know, Simmons, what he put, 19 and almost 20 points a game, 12 boards a game, almost five assists a game with a shitty team, a shitty coach, a shitty situation, granted of his own doing. Uh, but I think, look, this whole process and, and you know, we've all, I think we're all pretty pretty big fans of, of the process and how it's playing out. Like you said, John, uh, speaking of next year's draft, we had Chad Ford on the, on the station last week um, when I was producing and he said that, uh, as of right now, and obviously things could change, potentially 15 of the top 18 picks next year uh, in the draft are going to be freshmen. That's how strong this incoming class is, and there are p- potentially a few elite guys in there or, or borderline elite. Um, so, you know, the assets that you have going into next year, it might, might even be better that you didn't get the Lakers pick. Uh, so, you know, you're still, you can get shooters next year. There's shooters to be had. Uh, a guy like Ben Simmons is not something that you can get any year, like you said, John. And and the whole point of this process, as I was saying, is is to get elite talents, guys who are can be top 10, top 15 players in the NBA. And and I, is it possible that Ingram could be there? You know, sure, but you can you can see how Ben Simmons with, you know, a few progressions, a few adjustments can be that type of player. And, and it's, you know, there are worries. I get it, the drive, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I think if anyone knows this kid as well as anybody and can say, hey, listen, he's got what it takes, I would think it would be Brett Brown. So I have confidence in, in that judgment. And I just, when you see the, the, the you know, just basic abilities that this guy has and, and his natural basketball, you know, acumen and, and vision like we talked about and just the way he sees the floor, uh, as John said, that 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 reads special to me, and and Ingram reads you know really really good. But uh, I, I think you just I think come June twenty third, I, I think you have to take Simmons. And and BLG, maybe I'm just uh, I don't know. I just have faith in how the Sixers have developed. You know, guys like Grant, guys like Rocco, guys like that in, into those shooters. And granted, their talent level and their ceiling is definitely not as high. But that's where I come. I mean, do you really think that is it is going to? 
I think it'll take some time for even even just to have his his two points, you know, jumper down pat will take time. Even to extend that beyond the arc and, and get into that three range, it's gonna definitely take some time. I'm not saying that there's there's definitely some warts on this guy for sure, but uh because he's such an impressive score because of all that, do, do you think the Sixers ability to mold that is is up to that hype, or do you think that you know, why bother even even trying to do that? Like just just take the guy that can shoot because taking the gamble that he will eventually eventually able to get that shot is not worth it. Is that basically where your head's at? I don't know. If with, 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 the, with 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 <laughs> with the con, with, with the concern anyway, like that he won't be able to develop a, a, a jumper. Yeah, I mean that's a big thing. I mean, you know, we we all thought you know, like we all liked MC. Well. Maybe we didn't all like MCW. I think we all liked MCW a little bit more at one time, and we thought, you know, all right, if he can just develop a jumper. I mean, it's a, it's a big if. It's a really – to me, it's a really big if because we, we've seen it. Uh, I, I don't know how confident I feel. It just feels like, again, uh, one three-pointer. Like one. He made one. Like just one. <laughs> like not even like like a small sample size. I mean like almost literally – no sample size with that. So it's it's just a concern for me. But I'm honestly, I'm really not too concerned overall. Like, if, if they get Simmons, am I going to be upset? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, that's just the awesomeness of getting the number one pick and, and yeah. how, how this thing played out. I, I really don't. The, the Simmons versus Ingram debate to me, which is obviously going to be nonstop until it happens, is almost pointless to me because of that. Because I think they win either way. Yeah, I, and so, and so do I. That's basically what it comes down to. Because I'm okay if they if you really want to sell me that, hey, they think Ingram's the guy. That's fine. Like it's I, I'm I'm not gonna hate either one. It, it is just being the position and being able to take the guy that they want <laughs> is there. I think that I really do think that it is stronger with Simmons because of Brett Brown's just history with his family. I know that there's some tie-ins and like hey. You know, his agent's trying to force him to be to go to L.A. That's where you get the Adidas deal. You won't be in the same conference as LeBron. They have the same agent. There are things there that I think that that's legitimate. But um, I'm just I, I, I don't think you're going to be able to convince me a month from now that that Ingram is the guy to take. And, hey, I can look like an, a big old fat boob when that gets reversed. Plus, there's uh, I don't know. There's something about having two Duke guys back to back that just irks me. So there's a little. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be honest. Rid of the one. Right. Well, and that's the, that's my other point to it as well, is you're not exactly sure who they're going to keep in that front court. You know, you don't know what what exactly is going to work out here because if Embiid comes and plays healthy and plays the five, and then you can have Simmons oh end gosh. up playing the four, and that works out, and that ends up being the tower tear, and maybe Nerlens is a rotation guy, or maybe Oak is a, is a rotation guy, or there's, you know, there's still Dario that needs to come over. There's a lot that needs to be solved there. So that's why I'm not trying to be like, well, this guy's a shooter and we need a shooter. We don't know yet. We don't know what is going to happen in that. So... More or less, I'm excited for that. But the main thing I'm excited for, and I think, I, I don't know if you got a little more pumped up here too, James, is the fact of how excited Joel Embiid was to not only land the first round pick, he's like, yes. we got the first round pick and motherfucker, I'm coming too. And I about started tearing up right there because I was like, oh my God, this could be everything that we have waited for could happen this year. You know? Oh, 100%. And, and you think about it too, like, if they were to bring Simmons in, I mean, 
that'd be another guy who's has that history of kind of being outside the country. Then Sarge too. I mean, you got a kind of a lot of yeah. worldly type of guys. Maybe it it creates a culture there, a, a, you know, chemistry. Who knows? But it, it's certainly worth thinking about. And uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Embiid was certainly the winner of the night last night, along yeah. with the, the team itself. I mean, he had. I think I retweeted him like six times. Like he was just on fire, man. Like his <laughs> his Dikembe tweet was one of the all time great oh tweets in the history of Twitter. <laughs> yes. And then he's tweeting about you know uh, Shirley Temple's to celebrate. I mean, he was yeah. white hot last night. I. I I, like the the idea of seeing both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and getting to root for them in a, in a real basketball it's like it's like almost surreal to me at this point like I'm I'm like I'm so excited I can't even like I, I just want I want it to be the start of next season I want to see Embiid I want to see Simmons hopefully or Ingram or whatever I just want to see all these pieces out there and finally really start see something moving forward into the future and and uh, uh it's just an exciting time man like it really is it's kind of uh you know with all the hinky stuff and all the way it went down like I think this the team and the city really needed this this first pick this this to go down like this to kind of just really just you know reexcite and reignite this kind of fan base. And Derek Bodner made an excellent point today, and I just want to echo that here. If Simmons and Embiid hit like we think they're going to hit, or Ingram or whoever, three years to get to this is the shortest amount of time that I have ever seen a franchise be built ever and ready to compete with two fucking superstars on it. My so everyone agrees. that was yes, and everyone that was anti-process and all this dumb the dumb shit about oh no we can be Sixers fans and I'm talking to you Glenn Mack now. Go fuck yourself. How's that sound? Because because the, the, you wouldn't be able to get to this point without that process, without yes. the things that kind of came here. It was never about Preach. Hinky. It was about getting rid of the fucking mediocrity that was here. Don't sell me on the playoff thing. Don't sell me that you're a Washington Wizards fan now because of that. Because they, they, they that's how they do things. It's because that's how the NBA works. The NBA has a terrible competition system. The NBA lottery actually hinders it. I know it pre- prevents some kind of anti-taking, but it didn't for the Sixers, and they took advantage of it. The best way to get talent is at the top. Period. End of story. That's how these guys got here. So whether. Their mistakes were made. Absolutely, they were. Was Okafor not a the should they've gone to Porzingis? Absolutely, that would have changed probably this year's draft. But you have to take your chances at the top. I'm so happy to be a Sixers fan. Thank you, Sam Hinkie, for coming in here and igniting this stuff. Because whether or not that I agree with what's going to end up moving forward, I have some reservations on what exactly Brian Colangelo could do. But everyone needs to give this guy a chance now and see if he can build with the assets that Hinky is has provided here. So hopefully you're not talking about <laughs> maxed out deals with the Rosen. And and then we'll be fine, you know? That's what I'm saying. I I'm I'm excited to be a Sixers fan and I I'm just I don't know, that's that's about it, fellas. Should we just wrap it up there and say go go team and then leave it out? Go Sixers. Okay. There we go for Brandon Lee Gout and for Mr. James Elter myself John Barchard. Uh, A lot of Sixers stock on the VGN Radio podcast, but I think it was needed. We'll have more OTAs, uh, more uh, good times ahead as we look forward to the Eagles training camp season. Thank you for listening right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Thank you, Sam. Ben Simmons. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.
Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.